Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. (laughs) I'm sorry. Hello. Welcome to that Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santi and Richard Cohen and Bethany Corey have been cracking me up and I couldn't get a hold of myself once I hit record. We just had the most amazing pre-recording adventure. <laughs> Everyone missed out. Right. Yeah. In which we said about six times we should be recording. This. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, welcome Bethany and welcome Richard. Hi. Hello. Uh, I love having you both on um so we are going to talk today do you want to say anything before i go into the quote do you guys have anything that you want to talk about um okay so we're going to talk about mindfulness and the quote we have to start the conversation comes from a book it's a brand new book called finding your way through conflict strategies for early childhood educators uh by chris i don't know how to say his last name amaralt or amaro i don't know and christine snyder i'll know before long because they're going to be on the show um and it's about adults in conflict i know i'm practicing um i'll tell you a story about name dropping when i about during the accreditation visit when we're not recording anymore um anyway so so this is a book about um adults working together and having conflict so not like helping children with their conflicts and one of the things that they revisit through the book is the idea of mindfulness so the quote that um that first stood out for me that I wanted to talk about on a show um, is this. Um, I gotta get back here to the, uh, to the um, author. John Kabat-Zinn, the founder of the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Clinic at the University of Massachusetts Medical School, yep. defines med- mindfulness as paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. For early childhood educators responding to a series of challenging, unnerving situations with children, families, and colleagues each day requires paying close, purposeful attention in the moment and without judgment. So I'll just start by saying the reason that this this stood out to me and just to sort of confess is that I tend to avoid early childhood conversations about mindfulness because it's become a buzzword. And that's just how I react to things that become... Uh, buzzwords and then they're turned into products that you can buy or it's a gimmick that you're using still with the intent to control children (laughs) so often that's how i see it used is if we do mindfulness the children will be calmer and then they won't misbehave or then they'll do what i want and and because that's not what i think it should be i tend to just go the other direction and not pay much attention to it but in my life i try to be very mindful, very mindful and have, um, you know, practiced meditation and, and done things like that. Um, but anyway, this was a good 
for me, sort of redefining of what it should, could look like in early childhood um, for children and for adults. So I'll just leave that there as my starting point and let you guys talk about what what you think about the quote. Um, well, I was trying to remember if it was you or Keisha Reed, which I, now that you said that, I think it's both of you, oh. um, that anytime mind, anytime I would bring up mindfulness, like I get an eye roll of like, <laughs> oh, oh, that we're not talking about mindfulness. Yeah. Um, it's not I, that I devalue the concept. It's the implementation and yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's interesting because if we're being, uh, responsive caregivers, Mm -hmm. then like we're practicing mindfulness. And, and I think that's, it's a huge, it's a huge part of what we're already, if we're practicing mindful care, responsive caregiving, we're already doing mindfulness and we're already teaching mindfulness to children in our actions, because like we're, we're in the moment with them and we're having them be in the moment. So Um, how do you, how would you define responsive caregiving in that context? Like if someone has never heard that phrase before. Mm. So, um, for me, it's slowing down, paying attention to what's happening in the moment. Um, sorry, my baby just crawled in the room. <laughs> <laughs> He's always yeah, welcome awesome. on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Here he comes. <laughs> Good pot here. Um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Uh, and not reacting to situations that come up, mm-hmm. but um, just noticing what what's what's really happening and not making those snap judgments about oh this is conflict I need to stop it mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. but um, yeah just taking that pause. Yeah. I asked for clarification because I think responsive caregiving, sometimes people have the same reaction that they do to, um, child led or play-based and they just (laughs) imagine chaos with the adult, not really having much of an intentional role in there. Uh And we know it's not, we know that's not true of those two other ways of, of being with children. And so I wanted to clarify Uh that responsive caregiving also is not chaotic and not chaos, uh, unintentional. Yeah. May I jump, may I add into the definition you're building there? Yeah. So um, it was really cool while we were talking, while we were all talking about this, and even in this moment, to watch Bethany and her baby. (laughs) Yes, yes, and her face. Yeah, she makes faces, (laughs) she reaches her arm out, arms out, right? She is very, very aware that the baby is right there off camera, right? She is, she and her baby are in attunement to each other. Mm-hmm. She's very attuned to her baby's needs and responses, right? And so when we talk about responsive caregiving, we talk about um, doing the hard work of becoming attuned with every child in your class so that you can respond in a way that, um, hello, baby. Hi, baby. Hi. Baby. Hi. <laughs> Cameo appearance by a cutie patootie. Yeah. Well, yeah. another cutie patootie. Yeah. A second. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's three cutie patooties and me. So watch the video version of this, listeners, because it's going to be much better because this baby is so flipping cute. It's right. Not it's even cutie patootie content you do not want to miss. That's right. Special <laughs> anyway. guest star appearance. Ooh, glowing kiss. 
So, so when you watch Bethany and her baby, what's your baby's name? Francis. Francis. When you watch Bethany and Francis, you see a great example of an adult and a child that are attuned and sort of um, do that dance with each other and finish each other's words and know what each other wants next. The goal, theoretically, is for us to be able to do that with, you know, as professionals with each child in our care. Mm -hmm. And if we can do that and we know really where they're at, what they're, what's happening with them in the present moment, then we can respond to their needs and guide them. It's not chaos. Mm -hmm. It really results in a much calmer guided experience between yeah. adult and child. Yeah. It's and intention. So then the question is what stands, um, what's the obstacle to that mm -hmm. for us to really being present and attuned and responsive. And that's sometimes our thoughts and our feelings get in the way. Like Bethany was saying, we, we jump to an interpretation of behavior uh, based on a lot of things instead of being really present with what's happening and being able to respond to it effectively. Mm -hmm. and so mindfulness allows us to do that. Mm -hmm. That's it, just saying that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> excuse me. So I know we're going to. What is mindfulness? Yeah. But we'll get there. Yeah. I was going to say, I know we'll probably go in a couple different directions with this um, because I am a self admitted mindfulness reactor. <laughs> And um, Bethany, I know in, in practice is all, is just what's described here um, in terms of being aware at every moment of what, you know, paying close purposeful attention, um, being in the moment. And then, you know, Richard, like you said, before we were recording, you've done keynotes and, and workshops and, you know, about this topic for a long time. So half day, full day and <laughs> weekend long retreats yeah. on mindfulness for early childhood caregivers. Uh -huh at uh -huh. richardcohen.com. Yeah, remind me if I don't remember at the end to let you plug that again, like at the, oh, at yes, the end of the show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, to let me plug richardcohen.com and my mindfulness retreats and all the other professional development things I do. Yeah. Sure, I'll remind you of that later. <laughs> okay. Who is talking about name dropping? <laughs> I was just being mindful. <laughs> mindful of his own name. Of my pocketbook. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I think as I was, as I was looking at this quote, um, what they're describing as mindfulness, I have always sort of described as being intentional and I, right. you know, uh, but I, I like it better. I think, uh, you know, cause I talk a lot, people who listen know, um, and with my students at the, at the college, I talk a lot about being intentional in every moment. And, um, one of the things that I, have said repeatedly, particularly when I was in a position of training staff, like when I was the center director or the preschool teacher in the, uh -huh. um, the language preschool. <laughs> hi, hi, baby. Keep, keep um, I would talk about things like, you know, I want, uh, I want us to take into consideration the quality of life for the child at all, all through the day. So even if we're just washing hands or waiting for their turn to wash hands or moving from here to there, I want, us always to be thinking about the child's quality of life in that moment and being intentional. And um, so when I read this, I was like, okay, that's really what I was trying to say. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe this is a, a, a kinder, gentler way of, of saying those things. Cause I know that when I say those things, it seems judgmental to the people who have been rushing kids through those routines and, um, or they may, they may uh, perceive it as being judgmental. Huh. 
Yeah, that may be more about you than the subject, Heather. Okay. Well, it's my show. Right. <laughs> so so I'll just I'll just jump in and say I yes. Hate I that. Why did you. I say that? Mindfulness and intentionality are, are very related. Yeah. And the other piece I would I would just lay out there for the conversation is that <clears throat> the bridge between our the way our adult minds work and the way that our customers, right, the people we're there to serve, young children, um, work is that young children live very much in the present moment, right? Um, but we are, our minds are often caught up in the future or the past. And so it's hard for us, we can be intentional, but the goal of the intentionality is to be present because that's where the little ones live. Mm -hmm. And so mindfulness is there because it's hard for our minds to be present. Um, you know, I started on this journey decades and decades ago with a book called Chop Wood, Carry Water. And it meant whatever you're doing, even the simple tasks like chopping wood or carrying water, mm -hmm. or as you said, washing your hands or zipping up a jacket. Mm -hmm. um, how do you do that intentionally, mm -hmm. as you said, and not just on autopilot? To me, that's like the, the question one of the ways of the questions of mm -hmm. asking the question that we're all pondering right now. Yeah. And I want to hear what Bethany thinks about that yeah, question. Absolutely. Sorry. Yeah. No, 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 oh. I wasn't. I just, I was just, you were done. I was waiting for, okay. Uh, for that pause. Cause I, I think Bethany probably has an answer here. I know she does. Um, I hate to disappoint you. Oh no. But <laughs> <laughs> I slightly was um, distracted was, and you weren't listening. Well, oh, you weren't I, present for the podcast. She's present for Francis. <laughs> no, he's gone. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about the podcast, but my mind had had moved on. And mm -hmm. so I wasn't being present for you, Richard. Um, <laughs> Story of my life, Bethany. Right. So Richard, do you remember the question? Do you remember what you just, let's just said? Let's just be present and go with the flow. So okay. where's your mind at, Bethany? Well, and... <laughs> So I, I find that she asks this, with trepidation <laughs> um, that this is the, this is like the, the key of mindfulness too, is that when, whether you're practicing mindfulness, just yourself and, mm -hmm. you know, maybe doing a, like uh, when I was getting ready for this conversation, my mind was going in a hundred different directions and I stopped, I pulled out my, uh, phone with one of my meditation apps that I hadn't used in a long time, but <laughs> had just remembered. And I put on a six minute little guided meditation and I was laughing and crying at just how spot on it was because my, you know, Richard's talking and my brain's already going to the next thing mm -hmm. that I want to bring up. Right. And so I'm not paying attention, but that bit of <laughs> mindfulness is you're just the, the point is just to come back to this moment. Um, uh -huh. So I think mm -hmm. that it's fine that I wasn't paying attention to you, Richard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it's, that was it, all carefully scripted. It was. <laughs> um, if you look back at the quote, it says, come back to the present moment with yeah. compassion. I think oh, that's right. it. Right? Yeah. And, so it is and, fine that you did that. And the, the challenge is that most people will jump into shame or blame or self-judgment. Yeah. And doing and it without judgment. Exactly. Yep. That was the piece that I was thinking about was the piece of, of without judgment and how, right. um, 
I think always in the winter, my depression kind of goes off the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this spring, I, I, and I'm in middle Tennessee. So our spring starts in the beginning of February. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I started realizing like, oh, like I haven't been in the moment. I haven't been taking care of myself mm-hmm. and, um, and paying attention to, to what is happening right here in this moment. I've been kind of off the depression cliff. Mm -hmm. Um, and if I had been able to have that awareness of mindfulness, I could have given myself that, that bit of grace and that bit of self-compassion of like, all right, that's where you're at. How are we going to move forward? Like, um, and I think that's important for yourself as a caregiver, because, um, you have moments all the time where either the situation is you can react or you did react poorly. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, you can, after that moment, you can beat yourself up and just be in a bad mood about it and, and kind of keep digging that hole of reacting poorly, or you can give yourself that self-compassion and not just acknowledging like, wow, I messed up. Like I, lost my cool and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, yelled at you for being a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can, and, and I can apologize and move on for that and, and try to make amends or I can just keep getting angry about it. Um, so how do you make that switch? What does it take within mm, you to make that transition? Uh, just the, I think the awareness right? Like I'm paying attention to what I'm, I'm doing and I'm not, I'm taking that moment of stopping mm-hmm. and, and reflecting, you know, we, we talk about that with children, like, um, with, uh, Rye and Magda Gerber, you know, it's observe, yeah. respond, reflect. And so that, that's what mindfulness is, you know, you're being mindful in, in how you're caregiving for children and so I think if we're doing that with children, we need to do that mm-hmm. with ourselves. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and it's not easy, but just it's it's a constant practice. You're you're constantly having to be aware of it and not yeah. in autopilot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a skill you're always building over the course of your life. You never get yeah. there. You're just right. in the process, not waiting for the product. Mm-hmm. Right. Always on the journey. Mm-hmm. May I add some, just like a little science to what you just said? You, what you said was so perfect. Mm-hmm. Can I like, uh, uh, like add more to it? Do you want to sure. keep, you, yes, keep Yes, you may, Richard, continue. Thank you for your permission, Bethany. <laughs> it felt kind of passive aggressive, but if that's what I get, I'll take it. Um, so earlier when you were talking, you used the word react. You react to things. Mm-hmm. But when you quoted Magda, you said respond. Right. And I just want to point out to to listeners and viewers that there's a that's a really important distinction uh, and why mindfulness allows you to respond instead of react. So just to put a little neurology around it, we know that there's the reptilian brain back here Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, we inherited from millions of years of ancestors that keep us safe and alive and not being someone else's food. Um, (laughs) And so it 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 rules our fear 
and our caution and, and all of those things, and it's there to protect us. But now we're, we're a species that has this wonderful frontal lobe that lets us use ration and reason to, um, to better address any situation, whether it's working with a young child, uh, a coworker that did something that bugged us, whatever it is. And what happens is just because we're human beings, uh, if we don't do the practice over time, like exercising your body that Bethany just said, um, we get stuck here. Mm-hmm. And something happens and we get, and it, it could trigger something from 30 years ago that reminds us of that. We don't know why it happens, mm-hmm. but instead of really being present with the child and seeing what's really happening and being able to use the, uh, the higher level parts of our brain to be able to say, no, this is what's happening. The child is trying to communicate with me by throwing that tantrum. He's not trying to ruin my day. But the part back here in the back of my brain goes, that kid's ruining my day because I had these five things planted. It was going to be so awesome. And now he's throwing a tantrum. It's the mindfulness. It's the breathing and calming down so that I can let myself use this part of my brain that allows me to respond rather than react. Mm -hmm. And I think thinking of it that way, um, understanding it in that way, um, that it's, this is a, a sort of a evolutionary biological function of your brain, then, then that sort of allows us to not beat ourselves up for the moments when we have lapses, when we're not in the moment, when we're not being, you know, mindful and intentional, we, we can both realize that this isn't someone saying I'm a terrible person. This is someone acknowledging (laughs) the function of our brain. You know, we start with that that sort of um, self-protective piece and we we can we can pause and we can practice identifying that and then how to bring in that more the reasoning part of the brain into the moment um then it's it's it it that just is much much less um judgmental it's not about you being a terrible teacher for falling out of the moment it's right. it's about an opportunity to become a more mindful teacher with yeah. practice and and then i you know like any skill that we're practicing it becomes um this this frontal lobe becomes more easily accessible yep. in those moments of stress because we have practiced and paid attention and responded to ourselves so it's responsive yeah. in a different way right just like we know young children's brains need repetition to right acquire a new skill so do we mm-hmm, mm-hmm. practice repetition right and when you're able to step outside that judgment and say oh that all that judgment and self-blame and believe me i know it i do it 10 times a day even though i've been practicing this for decades that judgment comes from this reptilian part mm-hmm. of the brain and fear right so mm-hmm. when the when the child says i hate you you're the worst teacher ever this part of my brain goes, oh my God, are they right? I think they're right. I always <laughs> thought I was the worst teacher ever, but now someone's called me out. Yeah. Uh, maybe I actually am. Or um, what is wrong with that kid? I'm not the worst teacher ever. That kid is a pain in the mm-hmm. butt. I can't stand that kid. That's all happening right back here. Yeah. And all that stuff that's happening keeps us from a more calm, peaceful view of what's happening to really resolve it. Yeah. So we're Once not literally- That's just a function of my brain and yeah. brain chemicals. It's nothing, even the blame itself, I can let go of because it's just part of being human. Then I can get to the good stuff. And then we start, then we start seeing things like, 
um, I'm trying to think about, you know, some of the pressures that, that lead us in a classroom full of children to, um, you know, not, not be as responsive or, or reflective about it. And it's things like, um, well, what if my director walks in and the, and, and this is happening or what if a parent gets mad or what if, so we're not at this point fearful of being eaten. (laughs) And that's not why that part of the brain is engaging, but it is still self-protection. It is still, um, identity protection, I guess, kind of, um, and, and so this part is about stress, right? The back, whether it's an animal coming to eat you or a boss you're worried about is going to judge you. (laughs) Yeah. This are, we're wired to start here, uh, when anything stressful comes up in our lives. Yeah. But we're at a place now of conscious evolution where we're capable of going, oh yeah, that's happening. High, high self-judgment, high fear. Uh, high fear. Let me breathe through this and utilize <laughs> the better parts of the, the higher parts of my brain. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, but it is possible. Yeah. I'm pausing for Bethany. <laughs> um, I was just thinking about uh, how when you make that visible to the children too Mm -hmm. um you know that's the way that you're actually going to be able to introduce mindfulness into your classroom Mm -hmm. like you know you said heather that mindfulness has become a a uh, commercialized topic Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's a thing that you can buy and you know if you go on facebook you can get absolutely ads for you know even even things that are are actual good useful tools it's a product that you buy and you have your post your mindfulness posters and your mindfulness stuffed Mm -hmm. animal right (laughs) and it's it's in in sort of search of a product when we're looking at it that way we're not think that's not thinking about it as this process that's just part of our lives every day that's sort of presented as if you engage in this mindfulness process, you will soon have a product right. of a calm you build classroom. Your, you build your time in relaxation corner and then <laughs> yeah. Yeah. everybody's all just focused and, and you have no more issues yeah. and no more right. conflict in your, in your classroom or those fucking um, corners. Right. <laughs> and even if it's free, like my four free YouTube videos on mindfulness that anyone can watch right now. Uh-huh. If you're influenced by people like, say, Heather or Bethany to kind of turn your nose up at that and go, oh, it's a corporate thing, so it can't be valuable for me. That's just part of your brain talking, resisting. Oh, no, I'm Heather and I'm a rebel, so I can't do anything that's trendy. (laughs) Well, I didn't know. I I don't ever say to someone else. Making her resist something really helpful to her. I don't know that I've ever said, um, okay, everybody, fuck mindfulness. (laughs) Not out loud, but I've heard it. But, but in but my now own you're on, on the process, podcast. yeah. Now that's on the You've podcast, people can many times. clip that little sound bit out and turn um, it into their ring their ringtones. But All I, right. but, but I think when we're doing that um, intentionally, and and I mean the other day, like I may have had two boys climb over the fence and escape my backyard, and. <laughs> I was allegedly for any oh. licensing reps watching. Right, right. She's I'm, leaving the state, I'm so let it legally go. Legally unlicensed. So, 
Um, but uh, I mean, I I was very, 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 very angry and scared. Sure. Um, sure. That moment of coming around the corner and they weren't in their secret monster hiding spot right. <laughs> was scary. Right. Um, and so I did. I I mean, I tried not to react as strongly as I was feeling, but I did react poorly. And, mm-hmm. and then it was, you know, I need to take a deep breath. I had them sit next to me while I was finishing a task to, to, uh, so I could calm down. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but then, but then I, you know, I told, uh, you know, I was able to tell them like, that really scared me. And mm-hmm. I got mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so it was a moment that we could, we could connect over it mm-hmm. after I kind of mm-hmm. lost my, I didn't kind of, I very much lost my cool. Um, <laughs> Anyone would. Right. Anyone yes, would. absolutely. I have. And, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe that Richard. Oh my God. I have. <laughs> when you lose uh, a child or they go out of your sight or they yeah. climb oh, over yeah. the fence, yeah. believe me. I believe. Yeah. yeah. And um, in those moments, you, the brain chemicals flow through your head. You're in massive fear. And then there's that whole other little ingredient of, oh my God, it's my fault. Yeah. And you're just totally unable <laughs> to access this part of your brain. Yeah. yeah. Because you're, it's overwhelmed with those chemicals. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, having, but taking that moment of stopping, reflecting on what happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these were older children. And so, um, you know, it wasn't like a toddler that yeah. would just, Yep. thumb their nose at me and go on but (laughs) but we but we were able to to slow down and and that's a moment where they're getting that practice of Mm -hmm. you know seeing it they weren't the ones needing it Mm -hmm. to happen but I needed it and they were they were there watching me work through it yeah Um, and there's a very trendy word for what you just described what so is when, it? When you do that in front of the children and they watch you do that, calm uh-huh. down. Pop is, it is it co-regulation? Is it co-regulation? Co-regulation. It was a perfect example, Bethany, of co-reg. You used mindfulness in front of children and it allowed you to co-regulate with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks. Good job losing those kids and, and teaching know. them something good, Bethany. You know. <laughs> so I try. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right before this recording, I was recording with my Cuber and we were talking about um, uh, actually challenging behaviors of adults, like things adults do that challenge children. Um, uh, but he told a story of my name come up. <laughs> not in the recorded part. <laughs> oh, OK. All right. <laughs> um, anyway, he was talking about referring to um, Louise Derman Sparks and something that he had heard her say or read her say, um, where when she was part of the Perry Preschool Project, all of the ch- all of the children. This is a long roundabout way of doing this. All the children lived pretty close to the to the child care center, the early childhood center. Yep. And at one point, a three year old just like left and walked home. And um, so I'm not. I will say beforehand, I'm not discounting the safety aspects of of either of these stories that we're talking about. But her first thought was, how beautiful that he knows how to do that. That he that he could find his way home, and you know, um, uh, instead of jumping to, um, this child is out of control and not 
compliance or whatever. But my point, my point with this is that um, that's another way I think of practicing mindfulness when we're working with young children is that sort of, um, and maybe this is part of bringing it from the back of our brain to the top of our brain, um, thinking about uh, the competence that you're seeing, even in the middle of what looks really chaotic or being able to assume um, or, or just to see, I don't even know how I want to describe this, just, just that ability. I don't want to say reframe even because it was in the moment, but to really see what's happening and it's not all about us, even though it, it is for a moment while we're calming and coming to that place that, that you got to Bethany. Um, but it's a different way of, I guess, responding to what children are doing with us. You do what you want with that. It felt like it didn't come out like I wanted it to, but listeners no, are used that, to that by now. It <laughs> makes a lot of sense. And I, I was kind of, it's not exactly it, but I was just thinking of, of Dan Hodgins with, a, um, you know, the moral issue out of yeah. a developmental issue. Yeah. And, you know, like when, when, uh, when you brought up that other example of like, like, wow, he can, he knows how to make his way home. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, wow. Like my fence is pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's a lot of physical skill involved in what just kind <laughs> of amazing that they, um, and I do have a really cool toy in the front yard that we play with oh. like at pickup time, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's what they wanted to get to. Uh-huh. And they, they solved their problem. They wanted right. to go play with that. They really? figured out how to climb over the fence, which is high safely. Yeah. yeah. So, it I mean, has. maybe what my connection was that <laughs> perspective taking is part of yeah. our, our everyday mindfulness. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, honestly, like right now I'm, because even when I was telling the story, I was still having that like anxiety, yeah. fear response. And now I'm like, oh, that totally changes my outlook on that experience uh-huh right um right yeah and it yeah, is i mean, I mean I it have, is a bit right. of reframing but yeah 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 uh, th- i think heather was talking about reframing you know seeing the opportunity or the accomplishment instead of the challenge or the danger mm-hmm. they're all all they're all there yeah it's just which do you allow your mind to focus on <clears throat> i would also remind you though that that the context is important mm-hmm. so when that happened to louise it was in the 80s um, and it, the world was very different. A different place, time. yes. We did you know? address that in the episode that we were yeah, recording. Okay. <laughs> but that allowed her, she was better able to see the opportunity yeah. because she didn't live in a world like we do where we are enculturated to focus on the, all of the dangers and the risks mm-hmm. and risk mm-hmm. as a bad word, right? And, you know, like, you know, when, when Bethany said she allegedly may have, let two kids climb over a fence, right? In a, in this metaphor. Someone she knows might've let this happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a made up, what do they call them in early childhood? Her friend is scenario. also named it's a, Bethany. It's a teacher story, whatever. Vignette, it's a vignette. It's a vignette. But so the deal is, you know, we've been in this field long enough to know everyone loses a kid mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. It's just it, these were the third, world. the second and third kid that I've lost just ever or oh, yeah. so, okay ever. okay yeah in my 40 years maybe i've lost yeah three or four i think yeah. i'm much younger than you richard so 
She still you got for time. Reminding our listeners and viewers of that information. Of that <laughs> this is an news. excellent time to to have these kinds of disclosures, Bethany, while you're thinking about looking for. Well, yeah, it's clear, I... you know, developmentally, emotionally, Bethany is definitely younger than me. That's I think everyone sure. can see that. Sure. Um, yes. No, but my point is, if you're going to be honest about being in early childhood, at some point you lose a kid. Yeah. Maybe they just went into another room or whatever. It happens. Mm -hmm. It happens because we're human. It happens because children are curious and smart and all those things. So when you said that, Bethany, it didn't phase me. I'm like, oh yeah, that happens. Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. it happens all the time. Yeah. But when I was a director, when that happened, it was my job to uh, fire the person. Yeah. Me and too. I had to that. let them go. And that's the world we live in now. Mm-hmm. So even though you're just being human and the children are being mm -hmm. normal humans, yeah. as a director, I have rules around me now that preclude you from being just human. Yeah. So it's a good thing you're your own boss, Bethany. So true. Yeah. I, I would have fired myself. If I, could. I believe that, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, so I guess I just need to add another disclaimer here. We've said it, and I'm sure listeners know this, but I feel like I have to say it. We're not advocating for well um lapses of supervision no. or, or taking no, taking it lightly when children um uh get out of our well and we can sort of uh joke about it because because everybody's safe now everybody's safe <laughs> and nothing right. tragic happens yeah. Yeah. Right. so that is also yeah we're not saying that it's right we're just saying it happens mm -hmm. and we can't be afraid to talk about it because it's part of this work yeah yeah, yeah. Well, and I was thinking about another situation. Um, I had a three and a half year old and uh, we're, we're playing with a little trinket toy that, you know, maybe we had for a, a birthday party or something. And so I had the leftovers here at my house and everybody had taken one home. Right. And, and she's saying, well, oh, my red one's at home. And I was like, yeah, well, you can go and get that when you go home. And the next thing I hear oh. is the front door opening and shutting and I run up to the front door and she's heading down the steps towards the direction of her house. Bethany I, said I, I could go get it from home. And it was, it, 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 and she looks at me and I said, where are you going? She said, well, I'm, I just have to go home and get my red one. And, and she knew like, right. oh, my house is this direction. Mm -hmm. And I, that's the way I come. I know mm -hmm. how to get there. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, you know, that moment was less panic inducing. Um, and so in that situation, I just kind of, kind of chuckled and, yeah, and moved on with it. But um, yeah, I'm going to pull it away from losing children. I know <laughs> we're really on this. <laughs> I didn't realize that was such an engrossing topic yes. that we could have mindfulness. We could have done a whole episode about that. <laughs> well, and example that's, of not being mindful. <laughs> right. Well, but this is a good practice of mindfulness because our brains took us on a little tangent and now we're yep. coming back and to the topic. And we were with it and now we're back. That's right. Yeah. That's we, without judgment. With, sure. Yeah, it was I'm fine. only judging Heather I was in gonna my say, head. Yeah, there's some judgment. We know that. <laughs> Not out loud. <laughs> um, so the other thing, just to bring it kind of back to the quote and back to mindfulness in, in our everyday stuff. The other thing that this made me think about was um, the difference between busyness and chaos in a, in an early childhood space and yes. that it's really easy to feel like having all those children together is, is chaos because, it, because everyone's busy and it's loud. But if we stop and look at 
these two children doing this thing together and these three children doing this thing together. And we see all these little moments of busyness instead of this big picture of chaos that mm-hmm. it's very, you know, I don't know if we were going to go anywhere with that, but that was another example that came to my mind of being um, purpose, purposeful attention and, and, and um, following what's happening in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was a student uh, in early childhood classes, the best class I ever took was observation. And we just went to a different program uh, in St. Louis, Missouri every Tuesday. And by the end of the semester, we had this diversity of observation skills mm-hmm. and different kinds of programs, good, bad, ugly, and otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I think back then is when I learned, this isn't so much about mindfulness, more just reacting to what you said, Heather. Mm-hmm. I learned the term joyful noise. Yeah. You almost know that term, right? Yeah. And so we were asked to do an observation with our eyes closed. And to listen for the difference between um, chaos and, um, you know, a, a busyness and the sound of joyful noise when it's loud, but everyone in the room is engaged. Yeah. Still loud, but it's, jo- I, I hear it now because I was trained that way as joyful noise. Mm-hmm. And so just being, I'll try to bring this back to mindfulness, just being able well- to notice when your brain or when your brain is afraid that your boss or a parent is going to come in, mm-hmm. is going to hear that as chaos. Yeah. Um, you have to be able to notice what's happening. And if it's joyful noise, mm-hmm. take a breath, enjoy it, and know that anyone else who comes in, you have the skill to explain to them and help them hear it the way you hear it. Yeah. Well, I think thinking about mindfulness for me, sometimes it takes me to thinking about peace and um, noise seems like it would be the opposite Mm, of of peace. So it's, it's a way of redefining mindfulness for myself that it's not always about things being controlled and, and quiet and peaceful. It's about my own awareness and what I'm bringing and what I Um, what I'm seeing and how I can shift that. Yeah. Um, And I, I think about in the quote, it mentions um, like yourself, children and the families. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, when we're practicing mindfulness and, you know, we see that joyful or we hear that joyful noise and we see the intentionality and what the children are doing, even if it looks like chaos, that's our job to sort of translate to it translate it to yeah. other people and to right. to show them like okay well when your kid you know like watch at pickup time you know uh, before the kids have noticed you're there like watch what they're doing mm-hmm. and you'll see um you know it looks like these two children are fighting but it's just a conflict and they're mm-hmm. you know it might be resolved and it by themselves mm-hmm. uh and they might continue on or it might be resolved by them going their separate ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, not looking at those moments with judgment and, but that's our job to help the people see that in our, yeah, right. In our right. group. Yeah. So can we talk a little bit about what this mindfulness looks like specifically with families? We, you know, we've talked about how it feels for ourselves and how it looks with children um, but, but with families, how, how do you see this fitting? Um, may I give one example that maybe can be a transition to that? Absolutely. Answer that question. So just to transition from noise, right. Mm-hmm. And just to, re- to be annoyingly repetitive, right. We are members, members of the animal kingdom. 
-hmm. And the back part of our brain is designed to uh, be hyper aware of stress and any dangers. <clears throat> and so one of the things that evolutionarily our brains are uh, immediately consider a threat is noise. Mm -hmm. um, it's immediately something we need to be attentive to. Noise usually means for animals danger, right? So in that moment uh, that Bethany described, it, mindfulness is the ability for us to say, oh, okay, this part of my brain lit up because I'm exhausted and I'm stressed and I've been wearing a mask for two years and um, I'm just, so this part is really ruling me. Mm -hmm. And so I wanna yell at the kids and tell them to be quiet. Um, but if I can take that deep breath with the child, with parents who are behaving in their own myriad of ways with us, I can get past that moment of interpretation or misinterpretation and do what Louise did, see the opportunity instead of um, listening to this part of my brain that wants to see what's happening as a challenge. Mm. So that happens to us with parents too. Yeah. And so to me, that brings us back to Heather's question. So what, is, what does that look like? What are the challenges in working with parents and how does mindfulness serve us there in that aspect of our job? Mm -hmm. Ready, go. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it depends on, uh, I mean, I, I can think of ex of sort of extreme examples, like if there's a conflict with that family member about a child's behavior or um, or they're making a request that we feel like is ridiculous, um, those kinds of things where um, that uh, sort of fight or flight Yep. reaction is there because I need yep. to, I feel like that I need to protect my practice, my identity, my professionalism, my this and this and that, or my, my routines. Um, right. and, and so in those moments, it, it, I guess it's easier for me to think about mindfulness playing a part because we have to, I have to bring myself back to that frontal lobe, uh, where the executive function action happens, um, for, for that conversation to be productive or for us to be able to move to move through that. Um, but I, the other thing I think about is I can't control what that parents, uh, you right. know, process is looking like or how aware they are of all that brain stuff or, or just their own feelings um, and how that might, might contribute. So, so in some ways it's really obvious for me to think about, okay, well, it's just about me still re realizing that I need to pause and come, you know, be in the present moment, not worry about what I think is going to happen or what happened last week with this parent or um, what happened 20 years ago with a parent who had a similar complaint, you know, and just bring myself back into exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I struggle to think of ways just in like everyday inter interactions with families to come up with those kinds of examples, I guess. Well, I'll give you one little tiny mindfulness tip as feedback for what I just heard you saying, yeah. Heather, as you were as you were rolling that anecdote out and explaining that, you said, I've got to remember it's just me, uh -huh. right? And yeah. when you practice mindfulness uh, and you get more skilled at it, you begin to understand you are not your brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. There's this wonderful, magnificent spirit that's you and it's unlike anything else. And it's in this body that uh, has these chemicals that flow through my brain. And when you say, well, it's just me, it keeps you right here mm -hmm. in blame or even ego or mm -hmm. whatever. And when you're able to say, you know what? It, it was just my brain chemicals that made me oh. feel that way. 
but who I am wants to really connect with this parent. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, so, so I wasn't, I don't remember what, what you said was perfect. I was just picking on me versus this thing yeah. happening in me. That yeah. little distinction. I think one of the things I was trying to say is that when I said, it's just me, it's like, I can only control my right. part of that. And I can't yeah. really control the parents part, but right. also there is me that's trying to be protected. And that's why, I, why, right. I, why I jump into that. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, and again, mindfulness gotcha. says the best way to do that is to separate me mm-hmm. from the processes, the physical chemical processes happening inside me. Mm-hmm. I'm not them. Yeah. I'm responsible, but I'm not them. There's something else that I need to s- step outside and look at mm-hmm. would be mindfulness. Right. So like, you know, when I, I was just teaching my little students, they're not so little, but you know, we, you know, the basic idea of the pyramid, right. The teacher and the parent, and we're both partners to support the child who's mm-hmm. up here, right? Yeah. But um, so we're right now, to me, the question you're asking is about this partnership down here, right? Right. And one of the things that challenges, there's many challenges to a healthy partnership. And one of those is um, my brain chemistry and how I, I will interpret what the parent says as a threat mm-hmm. if I'm not awake and aware that that's, it's going to be much harder for me to partner with them if my brain is telling me, they're threatening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, so uh, just another example that comes to mind is when I was a center director and parents, families would call looking for childcare and ask something like, so are you just like daycare or do you learn anything there? You know, and I would immediately feel that in my whole body and, uh, and had to really practice uh, that specific instance because it happened more than once I could literally sort of replay it and practice and 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 develop a better um, response but um yeah sometimes interesting thing that our brains do because what you just said to me is so common for early childhood people we get so triggered by that yeah but if a child asks a silly question (laughs) we just think oh sure of course they don't understand so how can I help them understand why the sky is blue yeah. But if yeah. a grown up asks us a silly question, we get triggered and defensive. And yeah, I just to, need to reframe it as a silly question. But yeah, I mean, where I can't where I eventually sort of landed is, well, that's what they think they should ask. Like, that's what they've been yeah. sold. That's and my job but, is to educate. People. Yeah. Yeah. I may not I, like it, but it turned and I didn't sign up for that when I got in this field. But it turns out that's part of my job. Yeah. Dealing with ignorant people that I'm constantly, you know, like I remember talking to Bev Boss years ago. You know, remember she wrote that word, the book Beyond the Basics? Yeah. And she said, Richard, I never dreamed after doing this for 30 years, I'd still be on the basics. I'd still mm-hmm. be explaining the basics to people. We never, mm-hmm. I never got to the advanced stuff in my whole life. Yeah. And that's, I've always remembered that because it turns out that's my life too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just always new people being born who aren't schooled in this. And it turns <laughs> out my job is to just c- continually go over the basics yeah. with other people. That's a good, uh, that'll be the next t-shirt. It's, there's just always new people being born. <laughs> people oh, I like the other one that, what was the one that Bethany said? Uh, fuck mindfulness. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> that was you. That's my next t-shirt. Love mindfulness. Oh I would never God. say that. No, no. It's a very no. other thing to say. I'm sorry. Right. I only <laughs> said it to myself. It was an inward thing. No, you said it out loud. No, I know. Listening but and watching before... has now heard you. Yeah. You're literally on the record. Okay, fine. Um, yeah. So, hey, Bethany, is there more stuff in your notes that you wanted to talk yeah, about? Bethany, with this? say something. Because you oh. said you took notes and studied, and and I didn't clearly. I did so. Don't much let some study. guy mansplain for you. No. 
that's not what's well, happening. Thinking about the parent partnership, um, you know, there there is that level that our job is to come to the parents without judgment because they've never been there, right? We've done this sure. for 40 years. And some um, of us, some of, <laughs> right. and, um, and so, you know, we've been able to work through those, those situations. And I think about like examples that, um, other people have given of their interactions with parents, like, mm-hmm. oh, how do I get them to not do TV time? If that's not mm-hmm. a value that I have, or how do I, you know, they just came to me and said, my 15 month old already knows you know, 10 letters and we yeah. need to continue teaching them. <laughs> we don't want to lose any ground <laughs> here. Um, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, just being mindful of uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> how we react to them and, or respond to them. And, and that's a way that, you know, we can't, I guess we could sit down and just tell them that they need to be mindful about it too. Yeah. But, but our, but our actions are, and us, and us working through those things with them is mm-hmm. how that, you know, we can bring mindfulness into that partnership yeah. of paying attention to, to what's happening without judgment. And I mean, I think that the language we use can impact that process too, just in general. So I just, then what struck me there, Bethany, was you saying, uh, you know, a provider asking and a teacher asking, how can I talk to them about TV time if that's not a value that I have? And, and that changes so much in the conversation and the way we think about it and approach it. If we, if we can start to talk about things in those more non-judgmental ways yeah. and, and use language that's a little bit I don't even know what I want to say. Um, and I know that I'm not saying that I am a good at this because anyone who listens to the podcast <laughs> knows judgment seeps in. <laughs> well, it does no for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Everybody Everyone is, is always on their journey of getting yeah. better. At yeah. It. What were you saying, Bethany? Sorry. Um, yeah, we're no. all, we're all, we're all going to, to respond or react with judgment to things. Uh-huh. Um, and that's part of the practice of, uh, but I, I, I feel that a lot of parents and I'm in a small program and so I don't have a big subset of mm-hmm. parent interactions, but you know, they want to do better. Yes. Um, and, yeah. and so I think when we are more intentional with how we're talking and the language we're using, that seeps over to them. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not in that moment, you know, that they have a great re- revelation mm-hmm. that we want them to have, you yeah. know, that, <laughs> that continued practice of yourself interacting with them, then that, that will be, um, you're building that relationship. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, I think another piece. Yeah. Cause you can't, you can't make change. And you can't further your, your mindfulness impact if you don't have a relationship. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know, we are in a field of human service and our field would not work well if we didn't bring our humanity to work with us every day, letting ourselves be fully human with young children is what helps them to thrive. Yeah. But it also creates so many risks 
and challenges for us in this field to be a professional who is bringing their humanity to work. And so, right, it just is. It's mm -hmm. just incredibly challenging mm -hmm. with every new unexpected challenge a parent brings to you, right? So, I, I, Bethany, I think what you said is 100%. It's spot on. And I think the question for this podcast is, if I were to boil it down for the listeners, how can we be more like Bethany? That's really, <laughs> that's really the goal. Right. No, just really like in that story, really, to not joke yeah. about it. Yeah. Bethany, she she was able to clearly state her goal mm -hmm. and, and of how she wants to serve parents and help them flourish. And then the question for this podcast is, how do we use mindful thinking to get us there? Mm -hmm. So how do we do that? I don't know. Do you have an answer? Mindfulness. Mindfulness. We do it with <laughs> mindfulness. We buy a kit, a mindfulness kit, and we have a parent night where we talk about mindfulness. <laughs> On richardcohen.com, is there a... Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it just starts with breathing. Yeah. It starts with getting in the present moment and then just noticing without judgment how your mind is way on the past, way on the future. You may not even be able to pinpoint where in the past, right? You're talking with a dad and there's something about him that rubs you the wrong way. And you, you can't really pinpoint um, who he reminds you of from 20 years ago at, at that is being triggered right now. But just by being able to breathe and go, oh yeah, that's, that does not have to do with this person who mm -hmm. just wants to get better at parenting. This is something else from my history. I just need to recognize that and breathe and pull myself back to be present with this parent and not judge myself while I'm doing that so I can really be here for that parent. Mm -hmm. And it's a, that's a, a mental emotional process that you two don't like using the M word to call it, but that's what you do. Mindfulness. Heather. Listen to me, listen to me, listen life. to me, Richard. <laughs> what? It's not what we've been talking about as mindfulness in this conversation is not the mindfulness I rebel against. It's the early childhood catalog product that you can buy with I'm the with goal of the, the mindfulness curriculum, the mindfulness yeah. curriculum with the goal right. of a controlled classroom. Yeah. That we're, makes we're rebelling me against recoil. the consumerist society yes. that we're all in. Yeah. I think that's one thing we three have in common is that we're just, if we're so angry and frustrated by consumerism yeah. Yeah. and how it's affected our field negatively. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so I do pull away from yeah. conversations or things because I have that sort of internal frustration, but what yeah. we're talking about here, I am a hundred percent in favor of right. <laughs> this is not the mindfulness. I think we should fuck. <laughs> it's, that, it's the commercialist. <laughs> All right, everybody do the other mindfulness, the good one, do the good one. And, um, and, and the end, that's the end of the show. <laughs> We have been talking a long time. We probably should wrap it up. And right. also I, I, I say spent like thing. the last 15 minutes wondering if I could just type into the chat box that I have to pee and you guys could keep talking. <laughs> All right, um, I'm going to plug one more please thing. Please do, yes. You told me to plug my website, but yeah. I'm not going to. I'm going to plug, if anyone out there is living in Maryland and you're looking for an amazing early educator <laughs> to join your team, Look at this other this third person in this podcast. Look Bethany no Corey, further than Bethany Coy. And you need yeah. to grab her up quickly if you're in Maryland. When is this gonna air? Because I, I wanna link it. 
on my with my oh resume. sure well yes. um it could air this was my next recommendation Wednesday. right here that was it my could, reference it could air in four days because uh i have to send jeff new episodes he's all empty over there after um, this week i'm not going to plug myself since richard did um but i did i wanted to um mention a book that i really love and it mm-hmm. helped me um well two books yeah helped me like we don't really my, like books on this show we don't um <laughs> But personally, it helped me on my journey, yeah. uh, one through depression, which is a bitch and we should all <laughs> yes. uh, acknowledge that. Yes. Um, and also just on this mindfulness journey, um, the first one that I was introduced to, it's called The Mindful Way Through Depression. Oh. Um, and it's written by a handful of authors and um, John Kabat-Zinn was either on it or did the forward for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And it is a beautiful book. And I revisit it often. And I think even if you don't have depression, you should read it because you probably yes. do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then the other is The Body Keeps the Score by oh, yeah. Bessel van der Kolk, which um, Bessel, if you're listening, I love you. I think I love him as much as you love Alfie. Oh, wow. And okay. You're invited to dinner, Bessel. Okay. Well, my, my here's my man. tip for you, Bethany. Dinner? Never, never joke on a public podcast about a threesome. Because no. Because seems to have really turned off any possibility of communicating further with Alfie Cohn. Um, I'm not necessarily interested in a threesome. But I'm not either, but it's a funny I'm joke. I'm up for anything. <laughs> I'm up for anything. It won't be depressing. We know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I don't want to take focus away from the. It'll be a really mindful cool. interaction with this person. However, <laughs> it would it be. Mm-hmm. It would be. Yep. Oh Very God. mindful dinner. All right. So now I really am about to wet my pants. Right. So we better wrap this up, <laughs> professionally speaking. Um, okay. So thanks, both of you, for being on. I always love to talk to both of you. And uh, it feels like I haven't done that in a long time with either of you, really. Um, And thanks to everybody for listening. And uh, we'll have another episode next week of That Early Childhood Nerd. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.